You're listening to the Arctic Circle podcast. In this episode, we listen to His Excellency Yongmun Choi, Vice Minister for Foreign Affairs of the Republic of Korea, discuss Korea in the Arctic. The Vice Foreign Minister's speech is followed by a Q&A with the audience, moderated by Oliver Ragnar Grimsson, Chairman of the Arctic Circle and former President of Iceland. This event originally took place at the 2021 Arctic Circle Assembly in Reykjavik, Iceland. So His Excellency Olaf Ragnar Grimsson, a chairman of the Arctic Circle, and distinguished guests, uh, ladies and gentlemen. It is my great honor and pleasure uh, to uh, visit Iceland and attend the Arctic Circle Assembly. And I'd like to express my appreciation to Chair Olafir Ragnar Grimson for kindly uh, giving me the opportunity to speak and exchange views here today. The Arctic Circle is a very welcome venue for Korea. As we held in 2018, the Arctic Circle Regional Forum in Seoul, the first of its kind in Northeast Asia. And now let me share Korea's current activities for Arctic cooperation and the vision it embraces. As we know well, the Arctic is currently facing complex problems. The climate change in the Arctic is unfolding rapidly at two to three times the global average. This is posing a threat to the resident and ecosystem of the Arctic. And the melting of the permafrost in turn is resulting in the acceleration of global warming. Ironically, enhanced access to the Arctic, which has created new economic opportunities, has brought with it geopolitical tensions as well. We are already aware of the gravity of these problems. And indeed, the solutions to most of the problems are also self-evident. What is required of us now is the strong political will to address these problems together. The Arctic Council Ministerial Meeting was held here this May in Reykjavik. At this meeting, the Arctic Council adopted for the first time the strategic plan for the activities for the next 10 years. In dealing with the various challenges facing the Arctic, the Arctic Council is in the driving seat and is expected to play a key role as it has so far. Of course, all of this will prove possible only if the stakeholders manage to keep it, keep tension at a minimum. The problems facing the Arctic do not simply concern the Arctic. The Arctic is unique and irreplaceable. All members of the international community, Arctic and non-Arctic states, relevant international organizations and NGOs alike have an important role to play. Korea too will embrace its role as an observer of the Arctic Council. It was in the, nine, in the late 1990s that the presence of Korea was first felt in the Arctic. So at that time, Korea was very eager to contribute fully to the international community after joining the UN as a full member in 1991, following the end of the Cold War. The determination became a driving force for the full participation in Arctic cooperation, and this pure intention continues to prevail up to today, overcoming the distance of 6,000 kilometers 
between Korea and then Arctic. In 2002, the Arctic Dasan Research Station was established in Nielsen International Science Village, Norway. In 2009, the Korean research icebreaker, Arawan, was launched. They have been the two pillars for international Arctic science research and exploration of Korea. Since 2013, when Korea joined the Arctic Council as an observer state, uh, policy documents on Arctic affairs have been issued on a regular basis, namely the Arctic Policy Master Plan 2013-17 and the Policy Framework for the Promotion of Arctic Activities 2018-22. Uh, within Korea, the Korean Arctic Expert Network, or KN, and the Korea Arctic Research Consortium, or COARC, were organized to strengthen the research capabilities in the ARC, and more importantly, to promote the communications among those stakeholders, including scientists, policymakers, NGOs, and all other interested parties. The Korea Polar Research Institute, or COPRI, with more than 400 polar experts, has now established itself as a major international partner in Arctic science research. In addition to the activities as an observer in the Arctic Council, Korea has engaged in bilateral dialogues with six Arctic Council member states and a trilateral high-level Arctic dialogue with China and Japan. Today, October 14th, marks another meaningful breakthrough for Korean Arctic activities as the law on the promotion of polar activities has come into effect. With this law in effect, Arctic-related activities will be conducted in a more systematic manner throughout the government. The true meaning of this enactment of this law, however, lies in that it clearly articulates that Korea's polar activities should be in the common interest of humanity and the sustainable development of polar regions. With this as a guiding light, Korea is planning to engage in some meaningful project on the path ahead. First of all, Korea has decided to launch a new 15,000-ton research icebreaker dedicated to the Arctic activities. As soon as it is launched in 2027, we are planning for large-scale international joint research and exploration to be conducted mainly in the high seas at high latitude in the Arctic Ocean that have rarely been explored. With the belief that successful achievement of sustainable development goals, SDGs, in the Arctic ought to be in line with the sustainable interest of the indigenous peoples and the residents of the Arctic, Korea has taken a deep interest in conducting projects to strengthen ties with them. One example is Korea's participation in the Snowflake Project, a pilot program of the Arctic Hydrogen Energy Applications and Demonstrations Project. This project aims to build a year-round Arctic station based on fully autonomous hydrogen energy to improve living conditions in remote areas in the Arctic. For your reference, the hydrogen economy is regarded as a driving force of innovative growth and the co-figure strategy in Korea. Korea will establish an integrated polar information system 
for the facilitation of exchange of information regarding polar activities. As soon as the system is established, Korea will reinforce its connection with the International Joint Observation Network in the Arctic region, such as joining the Svalbard Integrated Arctic Earth Observation System. Distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to take this opportunity today to highlight three points that we consider critical to the future of the Arctic. First, I'd like to emphasize the importance of a stable Arctic governance for the future. So far, the Arctic has been managed in a peaceful and stable manner on the basis of domestic laws of Arctic countries, international agreements such as UNCLOS, UN Convention on the Law of the Sea, and the governance based on mutual respect and dialogue. At the level of the Arctic Council, a number of international agreements have also been enacted. This includes the Agreement on Maritime Search and Rescue in 2011, on Marine Oil Pollutions 2013, and on the International Scientific Cooperation in 2017. In the process of regime building, a cooperation with international organizations with the experts in respective field is vital. For good examples, the IMO Polar Code and the ban of heavy fuel oil in Arctic waters. The range of changes occurring in the Arctic continuously demand the establishment of new norms. The agreement to prevent unregulated high seas fisheries in the Central Arctic Ocean, or CAUFA, which came into force in June, is one outstanding example. As a host country of the first CAUFA conference of the parties next year, Korea will engage in heartfelt efforts to make it successful. In so doing, we hope to strengthen the momentum for the shaping of new norms in such fields as health, maritime safety and production, protection, tourism, investment, and new technologies. And secondly, economic development in the Arctic should be promoted in a sustainable manner. With the melting of the sea ice in the Arctic, the windows for economic opportunities such as the Arctic Sea Route and the development of energy resources have truly opened up. Whether the focus of development is the Arctic or non-Arctic states, the government or the private sector, the yardstick should be sustainable development. Accordingly, a development in the Arctic should be grounded in technologies that ensure and guarantee sustainability. As for Korea, many companies are interested in participating in Arctic development. And in fact, our government is working closely with them. The participation of the Korean government and companies in Arctic development project will only be conducted in such a way that contribute to reducing carbon emissions. And lastly, I would like to emphasize the importance of a joint global response to climate change to save the Arctic. It is no wonder that Arctic Council Strategic Plan 2021 to 2030, established this year, presents climate change response as the top priority and highlights the need for a stronger global response. The international joint scientific research activities in the Korean Dasan Arctic Research Station and the collection of information on circum-Arctic climate environment uh, through the activities of the Korean vessel Arawan are key examples of the part Korea is playing. 
Going beyond the Arctic boundary, all countries should strive towards enhanced national determined contributions, or NDCs. Korea is now also planning to enhance its 2030 NDC from the current 26.3% to 40%. In addition, in keeping with the spirit of the P4G Seoul Declaration, the ROK will expand the green ODA for developing countries. In closing, in the Arctic, where both challenges and opportunities lie, Korea, as a responsible member of the international community, will fully engage in activities that contribute to the Arctic environment and humanity. Thank you. I often tell people when they want to talk about China and the Arctic, I say, let's first talk about Korea. Yeah. Because the remarkable contribution Korea is making uh, is indeed very impressive. Uh, I think your country is the only one in the world which has a 30 years plan uh, for the Arctic and the polar region. I think, I believe the title is uh, the Korean Polar Strategy 250 or something. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so 2050. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, your research institute in Seoul is, is extraordinarily impressive. I never forget my visit to it. With over 200 scientists. Mm -hmm. And now you announced you're building yet another research vessel, an, yeah. an icebreaker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we will be hard put in the Arctic states to keep up with Korea in the capabilities in the Arctic in the years to come. And I just wanted to, to draw the attention of the audience to this uh, growing, formidable role of Korea uh, in the Arctic, demonstrated by the presence of His Excellency here today. So, the floor is open for any questions. Yes, please, let's take one here in the middle. Yes. <coughs> please stand up and state your name. Yeah. Uh, thank you. My name is Yue Wang from Tampling University in Finland. Actually, my question is about South Korea, China, and Japan. As we all know, those three countries as non-Arctic actors. And so I just wonder, what do you think the cooperation and competition between China, South Korea, and Japan in the Arctic? For example, there are regular um, uh, trilateral high-level dialogue among these three countries, but we actually we couldn't see, you know, solid progress, cooperation progress. Yes. So I just w want to know how you think about the competition okay. and the cooperation between the three East Asian countries yes. in the Arctic. Thank yes. you. Yes. Um, before I answer to your question, let me briefly um, the touch upon the background for the reference of the whole. Uh, Korea, China, and Japan are batch of friends who joined the Arctic Council as an observer in 2013. And then 2015, the three leaders, um, the President of Korea and the Prime Minister of China and Prime Minister of Japan, they got together for a summit meeting in Seoul. And then they agree on many things, and in particular on cooperation in the Arctic Council. And then since then, um, for um, what is called high-level, the trilateral high-level uh, dialogue have been held uh, so far. And then um, they address a range of issues, including the scientific the researches and Northern Sea Route and development of the energies and infrastructures. Also, um, the, the all other the, uh, the issues, including the fisheries. 
And then, um, yeah, of course, I mean, during this uh, high-level dialogue, we put aside the geopolitical issues. We focus on the scientific and the technical the issues. But unfortunately, um, the, because of the, the due to pandemic crisis over the past two years, uh, we didn't have the meeting. But definitely, um, we, as a, the, the, a team of Northeast Asian countries, we really would like to the, make a contribution uh, to, to the development uh, the Arctic area, you know, because as I said in my speech, the Arctic is unique and irreplaceable. Okay, great. Any more? Yes, at the very back. If you can rush up to the very back, yes. My name is Kritika Singh. I work at the University of Lapland. Uh, I'm an Arctic governance researcher. Uh, my question is, does Korea see any opportunity of collaboration or cooperation with other non-Arctic states? For instance, for capacity development and exchange of information. So all the work with, that Korea is doing with indigenous peoples and SDGs, uh, also in shipping, ice-breaking capacity, so training of shippers for uh, ice, uh, icy waters. Uh, and a related question is on the work with indigenous peoples. You also mentioned like SDGs. Uh, what are the sectors, different sectors in which you see sort of future work happening? You mentioned health already, but which other sectors of work with indigenous peoples? Yes, yeah, so at this stage, um, I'd like to um, confess that the, the project with the, with um, the four, the regarding the indigenous people, it is just a starting, and then we haven't gone uh, that far. But we are now working on different the project, what we can do for the indigenous project, uh, indigenous people, and then the perhaps um, in the field of public health and the 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 human resource development. Perhaps you know we can make a contribution uh, to the development of the indigenous uh, the the community. And then we also invite, um, just for your reference, we also invite indigenous people to Korea and for um, the researches and for other things. Okay, there is a question there at the back, at the end of the row. Yes. Hi, my name is Catherine Jones and I'm from the University of Iceland. I wondered whether there was a conflict of interest between exploring Arctic sea ice-free routes and preventing sea ice melting from global warming. Uh, so I, I couldn't hear the question. Again. Could you repeat the question more clearly? Yes. Yeah, right. I wondered whether there was a conflict of interest between um, exploring Arctic sea ice-free routes and um, the prevent, preventing melting of sea ice in the Arctic from global warming. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there's a conflict of uh, interest. And then there's uh, any, um, the panacea, I mean, there is any, the ready-made solution uh, to this issue. You know, that's why we get together and then discuss and then exchange views. So my, my answer is, um, the, I know my answer doesn't satisfy, the, the satisfy you, madam, but um, so that's the reality faced by us. So, thank you very much, Minister. Mm -hmm. Our time is uh, up. Yeah.
And uh, again, we appreciate highly your effort yes. of being with us. So and we will have a, another session for the, the focus on Korea after Sorry? this. So we have another separate session. So after this, we have a, just for, um, we'll have another the session, yes. the, the breakout session for the activities of Korea, and then I'd like to invite you uh, to this uh, separate session. Yeah, so we, absolutely. Yes, right. Right. Okay. All right. Thank you. Fantastic. All right, thank you.